Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. How's it going? Hey, David. How are you doing today? Oh, good. I made a major screw up in my story yesterday, Bruce, so I feel terrible about that. I hate. I mean, I'm an opinion writer, so I'm used to people disagreeing with me. And it's that's the that's the way the world works and should work. We shouldn't all agree all the time, and we hash things out by discussing things. But as a reporter, uh, when I make a mistake, that really bothers me because it's my fundamental job. And um, so I reported yesterday that in, in my story that um, the entire NHL had shut down, and I don't honestly know how I got that in my head. I think I read a, a Twitter quote that must have implied that and it got fixed in my brain so everything I saw after that confirmed it anyway it's not the entire NHL shutting down yet it was just cross-border games including the all the Edmonton order games until after Christmas we'll see what happens in the next day or two here there's now about 120 players 119 players I understand uh, in COVID protocol in the NHL that said Bruce in the, there's a different attitude in different parts of America on on uh, COVID with the, you know, the Republican states, the red states generally wanting to proceed with life and the blue states not. So, of course, the NHL rules over all of the, all its teams in all the states. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a general lockdown. But we've got news in Edmonton, Bruce. What's happening mm-hmm. here? What's happening? Well, what, what's happening here is, I mean, first of all, you already alluded to uh, all three uh, games that they had scheduled before Christmas involved cross-border travel uh, for one of the two clubs. Uh, strangely, they, the schedule had them playing the three California clubs after their trip to California or to Seattle on Saturday. But all, uh, you would have thought they'd just go to California and play all three teams there. But no, Anaheim was supposed to play in Edmonton tonight. Then they were supposed to go back and play L.A. and uh. San Jose. Anyway, all of those games have been uh, postponed because it involved cross-border travel for one team or the other. There was a couple games played last night, St. Louis and Winnipeg, uh, between uh, cross-border teams, presumably because St. Louis was already in the country and ready to go when they played that game. But uh, they haven't quite shut the whole league down, David, but uh, I think there's something like 10 games remaining on the schedule of the 35 that were originally slated to be played between now and Thursday that uh, we were supposed to break. So we have all the cross-border games cancelled, plus there's, I think, at least eight teams that were ruled out individually as teams being unable to play, Calgary Flames being sort of the the uh, canary in the coal mine and then a whole bunch of other teams. And I think Edmonton Oilers would have been added to that list as well, given today's news that added two more players uh, to the five that were already under COVID protocol, uh, with the newcomers being uh, Darnell Nurse and William Lagason. Uh, so the Oilers currently have seven players on the uh, on the 10-day uh, COVID protocol list. Uh, that doesn't, of course, include Cody Cece, who uh, who had to uh, uh, undergo a 10-day spell of his own on that list where he was just one player that, you know, the team sorely missed, but uh, they were at least able to carry on business without them. Well, right now, the orders are 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 under duress. They've got uh, those uh, seven players, which to recap is Nurse and Lagason, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, 
uh, Darnell Nurse, or sorry, um, uh, Jessica Pugliarvi, Duncan Keith, uh, Devin Shore, and Ryan McLeod that all went on different times last week. Today's was the first announcement where they actually had two guys at the same time. They've had so many uh, and just bits and pieces of bad news coming in. And add to that uh, the five players that are unavailable to the team due to injury. Uh, and that doesn't even include three players who haven't been available all season due to long-term injury. And all of a sudden, the organizational depth chart is looking mighty streamlined. They only have 43 players on the 50-man list who are uh, playing professional hockey this year. And by my count, 15 of those 43 are not available uh, as of now. So uh, they they would have been poorly placed indeed to play games this week. And I, I wonder, as you do, whether they will be uh, given the go-ahead to play in Calgary uh, a week from today. I, I doubt it, Bruce. I really doubt that's going to happen. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens. <coughs> um, the is your your understanding of the COVID protocol then is ten games or excuse me ten days from the time. Yeah. So th- so that would eliminate a number of players for the Calgary game. Yes. Um, that would be obviously Nurse Lagasin, RV. Um, yeah. Well, here here's the Edmonton list. Uh, Ryan McLeod, December 14th, so he would come off uh, before the 27th. Uh, Dave Tippett, of course, head coach, December 14th. Devin Shore on the 16th, he'd come off. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, and Duncan Keith on the 17th, so next Monday is 10 days. So uh, it would depend on what is the interpretation. Do they need 10 full days after they've gone on the list, or do they come off on the 10th day? And the protocol isn't very specific, at least the part, part of it that I read wasn't very specific. Then all of Pugliarvi, now Lagasin, Nurse, have gone on subsequent to that. So, so there's no wiggle room, is there, if you, like, test, you know, there's no wiggle room there that we know of? Not that if, we if know If you pass of. a test after five days or something, right. there's none. Anyway, ending, there's... Ending isolation, uh, it says... Uh, uh, Players who, whose tests have been confirmed positive shall remain in isolation until all of the following conditions have been satisfied. All right. One of them is if at least 10 days have passed since symptoms first appeared. So now now you're getting into a different gray area. Ah. Symptoms as opposed to testing. So whether ah. there'll be some, some uh, new interpretation of that, who knows? I mean, as you pointed out, uh, 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 many of these players that are testing positive are, are having minimal symptoms and are, you know, are being held out of games where uh, if they were playing with the flu, they would play a lot sicker than than uh, than maybe they are. But they're being held out for, you know, there are reasons and some of them come from the league and some of them come from higher powers than that, I believe, of, you know, public health authorities, governments and so on that all have a, their say. And all this, so uh, I don't think you and I are in. Certainly, I'm not in position to uh, uh, to uh, understand the full uh, uh, extent of the, of all that interplay and and why these uh, rules get made. But I don't think it's just NHL acting alone. Let's put it that no. way. So we can expect that Nurse Nugent Hopkins, Plea RV, will all say on December 14th. I felt a slight tingling in my throat. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> Bruce, um, yeah, it is. It's an interesting question. Like, if there was no rules in place, 
And, um, you know, how many of these players of their own volition would say that I'm not fit to play? Um, nonetheless, the rules are in place. And, and um, you know, I, I think it's been raised, um, well, you know, you, you speculated about this. In terms of the cross-border games, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we can look at it as the NHL cancelling them. But, you know, there's two governments involved here. The Canadian yep. government is, a, is an immense stickler um on on this kind of thing the american government's much less so 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 the nhl might not have had a choice about the cross-border games that might have been coming from um, a higher authority um and, it, and it, that's speculation we don't know if that's the case but it's i don't i don't think i think it's very fair speculation um we know that the nhl works closely with all levels of government provincial federal governments on these rules so what they say goes so it's an interesting time bruce because mm-hmm. Around the world, there's just mass confusion about Omicron. You know, we there's no confusion about how fast it spreads. It seems to spread much faster, significantly faster than every other variant. What we don't know is how this is going to impact people who have had COVID in the past, uh, people who are double or triple vaccinated as you are. Yeah. Um, that's a, a massive unknown with conflicting opinions um coming out right now and from an alberta perspective if there's uh, a silver cloud at all silver lining on the dark clouds silver cloud um if there's a silver lining on the cloud dark clouds it's that we seem to be as we have been a, a number of times during the pandemic about two or three weeks you know we're a month behind south africa where this first hit we're at least a month we're two, we look like we're two or three weeks, four weeks, a month behind the UK, Denmark. So as this plays out in those jurisdictions, we're going to see exactly how slammed their hospitals get. Right. And, you know, I'm reading um, one report right now that from, this is from Alison Pearson of the Daily Telegraph. She's saying um, what matters is how many people Omicron puts in hospital at the moment. Admissions are basically flat. The only increase is in, and this is probably a word we're all going to know in a few days from now, the only increase is in nosocomial infections. That's people catching COVID in hospital. So that seems to be where they're uh, getting new cases. Not surprising. So what we could see is all kinds of people working at the hospitals, in the hospitals, um, getting covid uh, getting this highly contagious variant, and that could have like if the hospital workers all start getting it, that could have a big impact. So anyway, we will. Whatever happens, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. I, I'm not seeing anyone saying that they really know. And but we'll we'll have a little bit of a buffer here. So hopefully by a week today, even mm-hmm. we'll have yeah. a better idea of what's going on in in the European countries that are hit by COVID. And just because something happened seemed to have happened in South Africa where there doesn't seem to have been a huge increase in hospitalizations doesn't mean that's how it's going to play out in the rest of the world they had a much higher rate of actual COVID infection in south africa than they've had in the rest of the in big you know western countries um so could play out it could play out different here our population's older it's less healthy than um in general than in south africa uh in terms of um the comorbidities issue so we don't know what's going to happen. And it's way more vaccinated. Uh, yeah, way more vaccinated. So, That's right. Yeah. One thing I don't know, David, mm-hmm. is 
whether all these outbreaks that are happening on NHL teams, including Edmonton and Calgary in our own province here, uh, whether they are uh, Delta or Omicron variant. I, I, I assumed when the burst happened, this was the, the vanguard, vanguard of the Omicron wave. Uh, but I've heard things to the contrary, that it's actually somehow a, a new outburst of, uh, of Delta. And I, I'm not the medical expert to uh, to uh, uh, really understand what's going on here. Well, that, that, that is odd, because there's not a big yeah. outbreak of Delta in the province, but there is on these teams, it looks like. And there's so little Omicron. It, I mean, it could be, right? That's a, that's a, a slight possibility, but there's so little omicron in the province that you'd think it's the delta and again there's not a huge delta out it's we've we have low you know it's been ever dwindling case rates since early october here in alberta and and uh yet nonetheless they're having on the uh, this big outbreak on these nhl teams in alberta mm-hmm. so yeah. it is confusing i find it is odd that why is and that not, happening well at the same time you have teams that came through here uh, i mean the Oilers have mostly been in edmonton uh, but the teams that came through here, several of them have had outbreaks, including uh, Boston Bruins and uh, Carolina Hurricanes, to name two that played here recently, uh, that were uh, wound up shutting down their own games soon thereafter. So there was certainly seemed to be some interaction between those teams that toured through Western Canada and all three of the Western Canadian teams also dealing with it. So there may have been uh, you know, just the fact they yeah. were on the ice together, you know. That's a that's a that's an interesting thought. It might be that might have what's been played out here, Bruce. All right, so not the news we were hoping for at and, Christmas oh, time. And I'm not sure if I mentioned it earlier, but the other breaking news today is that the Edmonton Oilers have shut down their training facility right through the Christmas break, so there'll be no practices for the remaining healthy players. There'll be you know there'll be uh, no official team activities whatsoever. Uh, for the duration of this week until uh, the morning of December 27th when they're supposed to be ready to play in Calgary that night. So now that happens, that has happened, Bruce, you can expect to see the Bison King on a local outdoor <laughs> sheet of ice near you. So let's get ready, Edmonton, for our Bison King. Everyone get your cameras out. Get get, get ready to shoot. Yes, it's Pulley RV. Uh, Skating around the ice. Well, at least, local, uh, at, least he's, at least he's back. I mean, yeah, I was worried for Canada. a time he was going to be saddled in a in a hotel in uh, in Seattle, but it sounds like the Oilers were able to extricate him. Uh, Kate's private jet, possibly, to bring him home uh, last night, according to uh, a report from Mark Spector that he's uh, uh, that he was in the air at the time of his tweet, which was sometime late yesterday. Alrighty, Bruce. Um, the World Junior Tournament. Uh, Mark Spector had a tweet about that as well. I guess all the players have passed their tests. It, honestly, just as a someone living through these times, any little thing like if they can go ahead even without fans at this point, um, that's big for people. We need a morale boost. These these morale boosts are all really important. Um, you know, kids are still playing. My, my my minor hockey team has two games this week. Mm-hmm. Re- really important for kids to, you know, everyone to keep active as as possible, as is reasonable. But if these uh, World Junior Tournament games um, safe go ahead, um, that's fantastic if if they can play. And I guess they're probably going to be in some kind of. Bu- I guess they're going to 
they'll try to up the level of non-contact with the rest of the world so these teams don't get infected in the next little while. Um, they're all down downtown community rink and at Red Deer. So um, we'll see what happens there, Bruce. But uh, the Oilers have Xavier Borgo on the team. So we'll be able to hopefully watch him play. And that'll be um, just, you know, in terms of morale boost, these these are small things, but they're important things. I, and I look forward to it. For Edmonton Oil Kings also on the team. And the whole plan, of course, was last year Edmonton hosted the World Junior in the bubble, so they returned it to Edmonton so that the fans could actually get a chance to attend, which was the whole point of it being here. And right now, I would suggest that that's in doubt. I mean, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, whether they'll go with a restricted attendance, like half attendance or, or uh, uh, empty house, like happened in Montreal last week. Uh, you know, it's... It's it's such conflicting times, you know, David, on Saturday, uh, I'm a big soccer fan, as you probably know, and on Saturday morning, I watched uh, two soccer games. One was from Bundesliga with a completely empty stadium where they shut it right down in Germany. And it used to be a novelty when they were first doing this. Hey, you can actually hear the sounds of the game, you know, it's not like, oh, I'll... uh, um, just crowd noise, but you you know you can really hear well the sounds of the game. Well, in that scenario, you can not only hear the sounds of the game, you can hear the echoes of the sounds of the game because there's nothing in the freaking stadium except for these you know handful of athletes you know kicking the ball around. And then two hours later, I watch a game on NBC, uh, uh, their Saturday game of the week that they showed uh, from the Premier League in England. And that was a day where all the other premiership games had been postponed except this one game. But here in this one game, they have a completely full stadium without a single mask in sight. And you think, well, you know, if you're postponing all the other games and there's absolutely no restrictions on the one, like where is the middle ground or is there even a middle ground? And I don't know which of the two that I watched, I don't know which one kind of more put me off my game, but the two in contrast to each other was pretty stark uh, you know honestly bruce pity the decision makers right now yeah. the people in charge of it because you know we there's on the one hand we we on one level we are all protected probably just about as much as we're going to be i know there's going to be some uh, you know the pill that comes in then you know the pfizer pill i understand is coming into the next month so maybe that will change things somewhat but we all are we've been through two years of this almost now we're double vaxxed, some of us triple vaxxed. Anyone who wants to be triple vaxxed will soon be triple vaxxed. Sweden, we have the example of Sweden that kept society open and hasn't experienced a third, fourth or fifth wave yet. Um, the case counts are going up in Sweden, but um, there so far nothing else is just like everywhere else. So it's a very, it's a very difficult time, I think, for decision makers to, to know what is the right path. And um, they're going to we're going to see all kinds of different approaches, I guess, all over the world. I see Australia is now fining people four thousand dollars if they don't get vaxxed. You know, this is typical of their approach, which has been very um, hardcore in terms of lockdown and push now pushing people to get vaccinated. What's the right thing to do? I'm going to I'm going to suggest that it's going to take a couple of years after this is all over um, for all of us to look back and think, okay. Here's who got it right, he, 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 or excuse me, here here was likely the best practice. 
Um, but I think it's probably too early to tell. And although we, I have strong feelings about this, other people obviously have strong feelings about the best path forward. I, I, I acknowledge that, you know, I could be completely wrong in terms of what I think is the best path forward. And, and I think it's an important acknowledgement for all of us to make that we, we don't know, we don't know what is the best thing. Because what we do know is that both COVID has tons of damage, but I think we also understand by now that there's incredible collateral damage from lockdown that is having a massive impact on all of us. I think something that in some ways it's hard to put your finger on, but I think we're starting to feel it. And um, so there's these difficult balancing of two competing harms. Good luck to the decision makers, because you know what, whatever decision they make, they're going to get blasted. They are totally going to get ripped. That's a hundred percent for sure. And there's, uh, you know, that, I mean, even the health authorities and, and those who go by the science. I mean, uh, the science is one of the things about science is it evolves. If you learn new information, you adapt to it. And there are things they got wrong, you know, about droplets versus airborne transmission being a big one. And uh, uh, not that I want to go too far down that rabbit hole in a in a uh, podcast about hockey, but you know, they're the even those people are paddling like hell to, to try and figure this thing out. And it, it is, I mean, this new variant is, is apparently totally uh, uh, unexpected in terms of how evolved, how how different it was from the previous uh, versions of it. How how many uh, how many changes there were within this uh, tiny virus. So it's uh, uh, it's a huge problem and and. Uh, unfortunately, we do not have all of humanity pulling on the oars in the same direction at the same on the same beat. Let's uh, let's just put it that way. Or maybe it's fortunate, Bruce, because out of the debate, you get you you know we'll get we'll come to the right decision. You know, out of two conflicting sides, and there really is people. Who, you know, there seems to be two sides. You know that you know some people put a lot more weight in the uh, in the need to shut down, and some people are really averse to that. So that's a real tension. And uh, maybe, you know, and we're seeing that tension expressed dramatically between approaches of different countries. And in the future, that will help us, I think, understand um, what is the best practice. Maybe, maybe we're, maybe two years from now, we're going to say Australia nailed this from word go, or maybe we'll say Sweden did. But I think it is still too early to say. And, it, and it's funny because at different times during this whole pandemic, Bruce, um, you know, Australia's look like, you know, you, you got it. And then at other times it's Sweden. Yeah, they did it right. So we don't. And, and again, I just think we'll see down the road um, what was the best policy, because as you say, science has evolved, the virus has evolved and it's difficult to know. All right. <clears throat> Hockey. Anything we mm. want to talk about the orders today, Bruce? Oh, Good. Well, it's a I'm, good time to break, and that Zach Hyman gets to recover from his injury. Well, yeah, I mean they all <laughs> they all need this, this 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 extra time. This week would have been absolutely savage. Uh, so better to put it off, I guess, even as there will be implications down the road as they try and squeeze this in. It looks more and more to me like the uh, Olympic dream uh, is uh, about to be uh, punctured with a wake up call. Uh, in the middle of the night saying you ain't going to China for no Olympics NHL players, no matter how much you want to. And they're going to have that 
that time, they're going to have a hell of a complicated problem trying to reschedule games into arenas that have other uh, commitments and so on. But I suspect that uh, they'll have they will have that uh, well basically three week uh, Olympic break to uh, to try and uh, uh, get get a reset and a reschedule of many of these games. So uh, they. Uh, you're uh, assuming, it, Bruce, excuse me, you're assuming they're going to go to the Olympics then? I'm assuming they're not going to go to the Olympics. The Olympic dream will be punctured. Yes, they, they will not go to the Olympics. I'd be shocked Darryl. at this point if they if they, if they they went. There's just, I mean, there's, there's, there's over and above the, you know, the, the, the problem of the NHL schedule being way behind is, you know, just the overlying health implications and the idea of, you know, having to, potentially face a three to five week quarantine in China if uh, you test positive over there. And when you look around the NHL and you see 15% of the league testing positive, because you got like 100, my count was 109 players on the COVID protocol list out of what, 750 players in the league. So more or less 15%. Uh, I don't like those odds. If I'm a player, I, I don't want to go to China. If I'm a player, and I, even if I, no matter how bad I want to play those games, now you're all kind of hoping they put the whole Olympics off by a year at this point, like they did with the summer games. But it's uh, China. China may well do that. Wouldn't be a bad idea from their perspective. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of reasons not to go to China. Um, period, and uh, their COVID restrictions. I mean, they are the most restrictive repressive place on earth for COVID restrictions uh is my understanding so players would be taking uh i think uh i just i i would put it at you know at this point them the, the possibility of them going to china says like what five percent between one and five percent highly unlikely yeah highly unlikely so there's 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 still a chance like i heard steven stamkos talk about he still wants to go he's willing to take the risk but i don't think um most players would are would be in that camp. We heard Connor McDavid, who's like uh, desperately wants to be in a best sure on best is. competition. I think the answer, honestly, is a World Cup. Just have a World Cup next September, if it's not too late to schedule that. Do something like that rather than you know have your best on best competition in that that way, and um, f- forget about China and, and the Olympics. That would be my preferred <laughs> option. Yeah, and I, I know you're you would love to see the best on best competition as as would I. I just don't think it's practical, and I like I say there's multiple levels of why it's impractical right now. And and the NHL and the, the NHL surely the league doesn't want their players going there, but uh, and they'll be putting maybe some subtle levels of pressure on the players. But the, they keep saying the decision's up to the players, and I think the players will decide not to go. Alrighty, I think we've covered the ground here, Bruce. And I and I just want to say to people who hate this conver hated this conversation, and there will be some who stopped listening long ago, and some who hung in there and still maybe hoping for hockey talk. You know, we're doing we're talking about the hockey news at hand. It's all about this this vi- this variant and the and the virus and lockdown possibilities. That's why we're addressing that. And but I will say this: we are planning a podcast for later this week where we're going to look at various aspects of the Edmonton Oilers team to date. Um, and it'll be all hockey. And uh, so you can get your, that's what we want to talk about as well on this mm-hmm. particular podcast. So that's what we intend to do in our next 
podcast and hopefully we won't be derailed in that. Right. Well, this was a game day. Originally, we were going to be talking about the Oilers and the Ducks tonight. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we got no game. So we got to, We do have to talk about the news of the day. I do feel as an Oilers fan, uh, what I did do this morning was watch in its entirety the third period of Saturday's win against Seattle and how well the Oilers played uh, under dire circumstances, missing multiple players with a shorthanded roster and how they rose to the occasion and shut down Seattle down the, down the stretch and found a, found a way to win that game. That leaves me with a little bit of a warm feeling about the team, even as December as a whole has been poor. They were showing signs of bouncing back and, you know, winning that last game, you know, they easily could have lost in Seattle and, and we would have even more dire feelings as uh, Christmas approached than well, we do. I mean, I got a warm, still got a warm feeling about that game on Saturday. That was a <clears> huge <throat> win. Oilers Twitter was getting real negative and real nasty, and I and I'm I'm glad we're going out on a two week two game uh, two game winning streak here because it just calms everybody down in that regard at least because you know, and and fair enough if people are against Ken Holland and Dave Tippett and want to see them fart, that's a valid expression as a fan. You know, I have no problem with people saying that, but it's just it's when it starts to when the drum starts beating loudly, and uh, I just you know it's not I'm a glass half full kind of fan. So I find it a little bit oppressive and it's not my, it's not my thing. I just, uh, so I'm glad that they, that we're going to have a little bit better mood, at least in terms of the Oilers themselves with an 18 and 11 record, Bruce, without their top goalie, uh, for most of the year. I'll, I'll, if someone said in September, will you take that? I'll say, I'll take that every day of the week, all year long, 18 and 11, not bad. Now it's interesting. They're only rank in terms of winning percentage, Bruce, they're only 15th in the NHL. And but what what you see points is their percentage. Uh, excuse me, points percentage. Winning yeah. percentage, they'd be way higher than that. Yeah, I got, right. got no loser points. They're all the points. Yeah. So it's interesting though. There's this huge gap though between 15 and 16 in terms of point percentage, and the Oilers are there's there's halves right now in the NHL and have nots, and it's the top 15 and that's it. The 16th team is quite a bit below the Oilers in points percentage, so the Oilers are clearly a have team. They're in the hunt. Um, it wasn't that long ago. It was two weeks ago that they were first overall in points percentage in the NHL. So um, I'm still bullish on this team, and we'll get into that in a future podcast. Bruce, good talking to you today. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>